This is a Locker Room Production. And we are officially back. It's the first ever late night show of UFC 263, and it is also episode 23 of Keeping It 200. We are back post-show UFC 263 just ended. It is 1.27 a.m. where I'm at. I don't know what the hell time it could be for everybody else. We had five fights on the main card. It was definitely, as far as like the UFC shows, definitely way better than the last UFC pay-per-view and definitely one of the best pay-per-view fights of the year as far as we'll get into my favorite fight of the night. However, before we start off, Israel Anya Santa does defeat Marvin Vettatori, the uh, the Italian dream, 50-45, all, by, all three judges. I had the fight as well at 50-45. This was definitely the fight of the night, no question about it. This, um, well, it, well, it was one of the, it, it wasn't the fight of the night, but this was definitely, it definitely wasn't as boring. It, um, as what, like, when people have Israel Anyasanta fights, you know, everyone will say that they're not the, the best fights, but this, this was definitely, you know, I, I, of course, if, here's how it's going to be if you're Israel Anyasanta fan, either you're going to like the fact that he goes five rounds in his fights, or you're not going to like the five-round fights, and you're going to just think he's boring. However, Israel Anisanta was working all on Marvin Vittori's knee in this with nothing but leg kicks. There were um, some questionable stuff that happened. Eye poke that didn't look like it happened. And then, of course, um, the kick to the groin, which <laughs> was funny. And then, of course, the weirdest part of the whole thing was the round ended there was a fourth round that ended with Israel Anastasia just grabbing Marvin Vittori's ass. So that was just weird. Bringing on Blackheart off the top rope. Blackheart, thank you for showing up for the first ever late night. Keep it at 200. <laughs> <laughs> Second time in a row, man. I thought that you were missing me already. No, no. <laughs> I, I'm surprised that I've actually stayed up all this time. It's actually been... Um, of course, if anybody does not know what happened on um, the Keeping It 200 episode 22 earlier, the power literally went out in my house due to like, lightning outside. So Blackheart, Tavon, and Ash finished the show for me. And then when I, I did, back, I sure did. I sure did. The only thing I couldn't do was play any music in my background, so I'm sorry for that. <laughs> I, I was like, and then like when I got back on, it was like, because I went ahead and just took a nap. I was just like, you know what? The power is probably not coming back on for about an hour or so. And I was right. It didn't come back on for like an hour or so. And then when I got back on here, I went to the locker room app. 
and it still said I had a room of life. And there were so many people that were requesting to speak that I didn't even know about. I'm like, who the hell are all these people? I'm like, what the hell? Like, so I ended the room immediately, and I was like, I said, thank goodness I've ended this. So it, it was a four-hour show that was recorded, but they they edited it, I guess, like over two hours off because no one was on there anyway. So thank goodness I didn't have to edit this. Because if I had to edit that, I would have been like, oh, like. Yeah, that's why I give you heads up, brother. Yeah, you might need to edit out that last, like, two somewhat hours if you was talking about that. (laughs) I know. um, But to finish, like, my earlier thought, though, about the Dynamite Kids stuff, you know, I did did watch, you know, The Dark Side of the Ring. And I'm going to finish up my thoughts here before I get into the UFC show. Um, of course, like, you know, I felt like that Bret Hart should have been on there and he wasn't. Uh, another person that should have been on there that I did not think about earlier was the British Bulldog, but of course the British Bulldog is no longer with us. But British Bulldog and Bret Hart probably had the best dynamite kid stories, whether in the ring or outside the ring. And that and that definitely would have been a big help. However, you know, Dynamite Kid was seen by a hero to a lot of people, and Dynamite Kid to a lot of people is considered a, a garbage human being for all the stuff that he's done. Um, and of course, and of course, um, shout to a wrestling historian on Instagram for all the stuff that he was able to pull and stuff over the past couple of days about Dynamite Kid. And I, I've known a lot of stuff about Dynamite Kid over the years. More importantly, I've known about the you know, running over his fiance and stuff. And I actually found out a lot about Dynamite Kid after I watched the Chris Benoit Dark Side of the Rings um, last year. And that's what, and that's what actually like made me like wonder, well, who's this Dynamite Kid that everyone talks about? And, you know, I was able to, you know, Google search and find a lot of stuff out. And so, so that was definitely that. Um, but the UFC 263 show, Blackheart, did you see this show tonight? Um, I saw maybe like a good sixty-five percent of it. The night for me started out late because I was watching that uh, Clippers Utah game first before I hopped over to that. So uh, I I got to maybe I would say probably four matches if I'm okay. counting it right. Um, I probably missed like maybe like two or three. If there was like seven matches on the car, I definitely missed three. But but the last four, I definitely watched those. Well, um, this is well. I'm gonna get into the main card here. It was on ESPN Plus. Um, this was the UFC 263 pay per view. It was Paul Craig versus Jamal Sweet Dreams Hill. Paul Craig literally looks and sounds like a Drew McIntyre. He literally does. <laughs> and it's like and it's like so cool, but at the same time though, the fans in Arizona booed this Paul Craig out the building. Um, Paul Craig picked up his sixth victory in the UFC. He is ranked number fourteenth. He just won his fifteenth fight. He beat Jamal Sweet Dreams Hill. Um, small, Jamal Hill from Grand Rapids, Michigan, which I actually know a lot of people from Michigan. So, so I was definitely rooting for Jamal Hill, and Jamal Hill came out to Time Today by Moneybag Yo. Um, however, in this fight, this fight was literally a two-minute fight in the first round where Paul Craig literally put in a submission hold attempt and literally – got Jamal Craig's shoulder dislocated. Jana White did come on the show late and did say that Jamal um, Hill's 
arm was not separated. It was dislocated, and they popped it back in. Um, Two-minute fight. It was it ended via the rep stoppage, and yeah, great victory for Paul Craig in the first round. Uh, Blackheart, did, Blackheart, what did you think of that first um, round? Oh, yeah, the first round. I That's the one where homie just look at his form, right? Yep, yep. Yeah, when I seen that one, I was like, yeah, that's like, – he's that. I'm like, oh, they should have stopped it, like, right there and there on the spot. But they didn't. So I kind of questioned the referee's decision about continuing on because that could have been deadlier than anything else. But the way that it popped itself, oh, I, you know, I squeamish. You know, I couldn't. I couldn't deal with that. I was like, oh, just imagine that. And then I can't even – I can't even lift it up. Like I, I gotta, really, I, I gotta use my other arm to lift up my other forearm. Like that's just nuts. So that shot the fuck out of me. And what's worse was in the um, post fight whenever they're announcing the winner, Jamal Hill literally couldn't even um, lift up his shoulder at all. He really right. couldn't. And, and the ref was about to touch that shoulder. And then the ref just said, "You know, I'm not even gonna touch his shoulder." He didn't even win the match. And Paul Craig did win. It was a, a, um, a good victory for Paul Craig. Good victory for him. Paul Craig in his um, in his um, um, press conference yesterday at the weigh-in, dressed as Braveheart on the Friday, and um, Jamal Hill had some words about the Braveheart look. So, so uh, funny stuff there. We had um, Bilal Muhammad defeating Damian Maya. Uh, 30, 27, 29, 28, and 29, 28. I had this fight 30, 27. This was the worst fight on the card to me because I just felt this was just boring. Um, Damian Maya, he was born in 1977. The 43-year-old, had he won tonight, would have tied Cowboy Donald Cerrone for the most UFC victories at 23. Um, of course, Maya is still at 22 victories. Um, but good victory for Bilal Muhammad. Um, there's just nothing to write home about this, though. It really wasn't. We had Leon Edwards, um, Nate Diaz. This was the first ever UFC uh, non-main event or t- uh, title fight five-rounder. And Leon Edwards beat Nate Diaz 49-46, Um And this fight literally was – and this is how the story went – uh, and if, fun fact before I get into the story, though, Nate Diaz, there was a better that bet $3,000 on Nate Diaz tonight. Had Nate Diaz won that, this better would have won $14,300. Of course, he lost three grand and is prob- and was probably saying, I plead the fifth. <laughs> and he was at the fifth round of his drink. So um, – this fight, though, this is how the story went, though. Leon Edwards in the first four rounds had Nate Diaz. Um, whether it was the leg kicks, whether it was cutting Nate Diaz open. And Nate Diaz bled so much, it looked like the Eddie Guerrero um, blade shot um, back at Judgment Day in 2004 when he was trying to get JBL over. It really looked like Nate Diaz was going to go into a state of shock with his blood. But he didn't, which is a good thing. <laughs> but I did not like when the corner was asking Nate Diaz, hey, Nate, you good? You good? Like, of course Nate Diaz is not good. He's, he's getting his ass whooped. And Nate Diaz the entire time is trying to have this I don't give a shit attitude. 
because Nate Diaz, I guess, did not want to sell or did not want to make it seem like he was limping or anything. But Leon Edwards had him the first four rounds. And then the fifth round with the last two minutes was when Nate Diaz turned it on. And Nate Diaz was looking for the knockout blow. And Leon Edwards even said that in the last 50 seconds, he said he thought Nate Diaz almost had him. So uh, Nate Diaz did win round um, five, but Leon Edwards nearly blew a four-round lead. Uh, Blackheart, did you see this? And if um, you didn't, what was your thoughts on this? I mean, excuse me, I caught bits and pieces of it. So I was kind of in and out. I was doing something else in the background. But from the way I saw it, he had lost points because definitely he had bloodied up face. So definitely them cuts – um, I definitely did a huge number to that, and like you said, he could have went in shock. Um, like I said, surprised that they didn't, um, you know, blood, um, you know, too much blood, um, exiting and not and not enough like trying to maintain everything. But yeah, it was kind of staggering to me how he came back the way that he did, and against this guy, I was like, yeah, I'm not gonna bet my money on Nate because God knows when. Time passes, and like I said, father time waits for no man. So God knows how long that you've been away from the octagon or Norring, whichever one that you want to call it, and getting back to the group of things is kind of you know it kind of makes me wonder like you know can the body take that much punishment again? And seeing what just happened, yeah, you kind of found out about it. So I'm not too surprised, but I was kind of surprised. I will say this here though, in the post fight. Whenever they tried to interview Nate Diaz, Nate Diaz was literally fumbling with his words and literally look and literally the way he was talking, it sounded like he had a concussion. It was really, really bad because Nate Diaz in the last like 30 seconds of his talking just started messing up his own words. So so hopefully Nate Diaz is fine and hopefully Nate Diaz is checked out for a concussion because that was not beautiful. What I saw from Nate Diaz Um um, especially when he bled too much, that's where that's where I just thought, like, man, this is really not good for him. Um, and and you know, it was a decision. Would you do the score either? Uh, I had the same score. Yeah, I had forty nine, forty six. I did. Um, I honestly thought though, Nate Diaz at that last minute though almost had Leon Edwards. I almost because that made me get up and I was like, oh, I said he might actually get he might actually get him and and then and then the crowd was so into it the last fifteen seconds and then when the horn ended, that's when everybody in the crowd went like, oh, like and they booed Leon Edwards <laughs> out this building. Leon Edwards, by the way, has now won ten straight UFC fights. But the crowd did not give a damn about that. They they really wanted just Nate Diaz to win. Um, but give credit, but give credit though to Nate Diaz. He lasted five rounds. Um, seventy seven percent of America believed that Nate Diaz was going to beat Leon Edwards. So so seventy seven percent of people lost a lot of money tonight on Nate. Well, Diaz, yeah, I guess that payback from earlier today really worked out, huh? It did. It did. But you know what though? When that odds are so high though. I knew so many people were going to bet on Nate Diaz. I was close to betting on him, but I said, I'm going to back out of this. I didn't want to take that risk, and and I'm not going to take the risk. And then we get into the co-main event, which was my favorite fight of the night, and I loved every bit about this. It was Davison, God of War, Figueredo. Yes, that's his nickname, the God of War. And he took on the Mexican-born native Brandon Moreno, the number one ranked in the flyweight division. 
this fight I loved because this was a story that was back back in December. They gave a video package for it. Dana White was wanting this fight, and this fight was literally. And this is how the fight began. Literally, Figueredo at first thought he, you know, the first two minutes he had Moreno. And Moreno, after the first two minutes of the first round, had this man as far as punches, takedowns, submission holds. He wins in the third round due to a submission rear naked choke, 226 in the third round, to win the UFC Flyweight Championship. And then he wins the Flyweight Championship it was literally the pro wrestling story of like the, it was like a movie. It literally felt like a movie when Brandon Moreno won it because the commentators are shocked. He's shocked. He's walking around the octagon. He's he the crowd is going crazy in Arizona. He's trying not to cry, and then when his family comes in, he starts to cry. Uh, and then you hear John Amick on the um. On the commentary mentioned that he has three kids, wife Shirley, 27 years old, and then says he's getting ready to become a millionaire. And, and then Brandon Moreno, and usually Dana White puts the championship around the person's waist. Brandon Moreno wanted it right around his shoulder, and it was it was it made me tear up because I was just like I said this is a perfect baby face. I said this is how. You should give a babyface champion. Even Davison Figueredo after the match lifted Moreno up. He, you don't ever see an opponent lift the other guy up after he beat him, and lifted him up. He celebrated, and it was just like this is the perfect babyface. And and it made me think. And it made me think though, if Brandon Moreno was in WWE, he would be in 205. He would never ever reach any of these success. And I was just like, I said, this is, I said, and and I really do hope WWE, like someone there saw this fight and said, this is how you're supposed to build a babyface. Because Brandon Moreno was just, he, he was the perfect babyface at the end of the night. The Arizona crowd loved him. And it was a great, and it was the best like thing I saw on the whole entire night. It was fight of the night. And congratulations to Brandon Moreno. Um, he's now uh, seven, two and two in the UFC, nineteen six and two overall. Davis and Figueredo, this is his only second loss ever um, as an MMA fighter or in the UFC. So, um, and also betting numbers. If you um, had Brandon Moreno winning, let me check and see what. Oh yeah, if you had Brandon Moreno winning, he was already a plus one eighty five as the underdog. By submission was plus twelve hundred, and to win in just round three was a plus twenty eight hundred. Someone betted six thousand dollars on Moreno, and they ended up walking out with fifteen thousand four hundred dollars on Moreno. So, yeah. someone got really lucky tonight. Someone so did. It. it was it was definitely something. And then of course we had um, in our main event Israel Anyasanta Marvin Vettori. This was the fight that. It, 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 here's how people are going to like it. If Israel Anyasanta does not finish fights early, he never does. And this was if a fight where either you're going to like it or you were going to hate it. And I thought that I liked this fight because there was a lot of great leg kicks. Marvin Vittori, you know, did not quit or nothing. You know, he did try. He did have Israel in the third round with a 
takedown submission hold, but Izzy got out of it immediately. Um, Venatori tried to sell an eye poke. That didn't work. Um, And then he did get kicked in the groin late into the third round. And that's what, and then the referee, Mark Gardard, um, because there's only like five seconds left to go. Mark Gardard said, yeah, take your time. It's not like the round doesn't end in five seconds. <laughs> so even the ref didn't give a shit about the nut shot. And Marvin Vittori is like trying to sell this. And he's trying to like, trying to walk it off the shit. And then of course he does. And Israel Anastasia at the end of the fourth round just grabbed his ass because that's an easy thing. It's it, it, And it's just like, huh. And then a fifth round, Izzy, you know, just did just enough to just win, and it was a 50-45. I had it 50-45 as well with the judges. It was definitely, um, to me, and then and then after the fight was really the big, sto- big story because, of course, Israel Anyasanta is being interviewed by Joe Rogan, and, oh. you know, Joe Rogan's asking Izzy, well, what did you say to Marvin Vittori? And Marvin said, well, Marvin thought he won, but, you know, whatever helps him sleep at night, if he thinks he won, he won. <laughs> so, <laughs> so Marvin Vittori got buried. And Marvin Vittori is literally right behind Joe Rogan here. This and Marvin Vittori is, like, like looking at him all funny-like. And then uh, Izzy um, gave a shout-out to his former um, sparring partner who died um, due to gang activity. He said that the murderers were still out in the street just living their life. And Izzy, you know, gave credit to his sparring partner. He said, he said, you beat my ass. He said, he said, and I'm never going to be able to get a, a, a shot back at you. But he said, but you know what? He said, I'm glad that you did beat my ass. And then he shouted out who he wanted next. He said he wants Robert Whitaker again. And he's and he told Robert Whitaker, he said, he said, but this time you don't get to decide a damn thing. He said, he said, we're going to run it back in Oakland. He said, in my hometown, he said, he said, you know why? Because I'm the champ and I'm the king that runs this shit. And they end the and they end it with music playing at the background of The Rock says 1998. <laughs> so so it was so Marvin Vittori got what he uh, so so Izzy got what he wanted. Robert Whitaker on Twitter literally right after said, I'll see you soon. It's gonna be Whitaker Anya Santa again. And you know what? The Here's the thing. Robert Whitaker nearly beat Izzy the first time, but Izzy did win. Be in 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 all of his last eight fights, Izzy did get a KO TKO victory over Whitaker. So I am looking forward to seeing that again. Um, as far as the card, it was a good five. It was a good five match card. My favorite was the um, Figueroa Moreno because I loved <laughs> I loved the post match. I loved everything about it, and. You know, Moreno's suit, when he came in, when they showed it at 10 o'clock, he came in literally dressed like Devin Booker. This man came in like he said, he said, he said, I'm going to get this championship. Whether I, whether I, I said, I didn't care. He said, I'm going to get this championship. Um, but great five round card, uh, five fight card. You know, um, if, if I had to give a number, I would say it was definitely an eight out of 10. Definitely an eight out of 10. Um, did you, um, Blackheart? Did you have anything to add to the UFC 263 show? Did you want to talk about any of the prelims or anything? Or uh, no, to that one, but just the one that just the homie that had a dislocated arm. I'm like, damn, someone should tend to his knee like right the fuck away. That was the one that shocked the fuck out of me. So whoever the fuck that did that, circle his name. He's gonna be somewhat um, coming up 
uh, coming in that division soon. Um, but the main event was worth it. The Nate Diaz cut, you know, cut blushing guys something that you cannot, you know, wipe away from your memory now because obviously it happened. But I think it, it made him it solidified him as more as more as a badass. Like I seen it like Stone Cold Steve Austin in WrestleMania 13, 97. And how that kind of solidified him and made him to made him to a star. I think that star for Nate Diaz still shines for him after that loss. Technically, sometimes certain 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 loss are good or good for that person. Maybe I mean we don't know how he's gonna bounce back from that, but pretty sure that he might he might he might bounce back. But the main but the main event, oh yeah, definitely um, the post speech afterwards. Yeah, I. Peaked that, I laughed, but I was like, damn, that's a good way for him. And, and looking at the dynamic of the, of the match, he he could he could have lost, but then again, just from the way that he had hit from the way that he had hit his low case and got him on the floor, that's just like, yeah, that goes to say that technically a takedown, but um I'm not but I'm not a judge. But then again, I only watch what I see and I give my honest I give my honest feel by it. So that's my take on everything. Yeah. Um, we also had some other stuff, too. We um, we had Impact Against All Odds, the Impact Monthly Pay-Per-View on the Impact Plus. Oh, um, that's, that's it, it, and, and honestly, and here's what happened on the Impact Plus app. If you have the app and you pay for it monthly, you couldn't even see this show. You technically couldn't because it was down. Damn. Yeah, so the website was down. So if you had Fight TV, though... You didn't have no problem. However, on Fight TV, and this has usually happened with a lot of people that I've talked to and stuff. Now, I don't here's now here's my thing about the Impact Plus app. I've tried to pay for it and I it won't let me. I don't like how the new system they've have now is because they won't take my card. And I do have money on my card and stuff, and it's just like, okay, they just don't want to take my debit card, fuck it. So I've so I usually have to watch this stuff just like on another streaming site. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and when I've watched impact on streaming sites, I never get no buffers. I never get no bad audio or nothing. I never do because I, because no one doesn't watch impact. <laughs> like, like it's so easy to just relax and be like, man, I don't have to worry about nothing. Like, it's it's so easy and um, <laughs> it really is. It really, I never have to worry about it. Now you see why I was saying that shit earlier, my bro. Like, ain't no one really gonna be like thinking about that, or anyone really, he's not really gonna be crying about it until they get on the big enough network that they can start making some noise and it will start to matter. But access TV ain't shit. Exactly. Um. But I. But I did. But um. Now here's the thing about this pay per view. I didn't like a lot about this pay per view. I've only I only saw certain things. I didn't see everything, so I'm not so I'm not gonna be able to really go into everything. The Joe Doring Kojima match, it was what I said. It was gonna be filter, and it was filter because Kojima is like very old, and Joe Doring is not a great worker. So you know he's not great at selling and stuff. So the five way of the X division. Trey Miguel, Rahit Raju, Petey Williams, Ace Austin, Chris Bay ended in a no contest because these men literally worked their asses off just to get a WWE finish. Then Madman Fulton comes in the ring and just literally just throws everyone around. And then Madman Fulton chases off the ref. 
so we don't have a challenger, so they're going to be basically building up at Slammiversary a six-way X-Division match where you have to grab the championship in the in the X-Division match. Um, I don't know what you call it. The, the, I guess it is the X-Division match where, where the championship is hung up and you do all the cool, uh, crazy Spider-Man shit to climb the rope and yep. all that. So 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 at least that's good but um if you if you saw this pay-per-view you probably were pissed though um w morrissey defeated rich swan i'm not a fan of that because i thought rich swan should have and, and this is my thing about impact impact doesn't do a great job of building rematches when like once you get the championship they don't they don't put you back in no rematch right. and i thought rich swan should have won this match because that way you set up at least maybe teasing Kenny Omega Rich Swan at Slammiversary, but they they just they're all gunned on Sammy Callahan. Um, Morsi won. It, it wasn't anything special, but it, but this W Morsi Rich Swan match was better than the Morsi Willie Mac match though on the Thursday Impact. Tennille Dash would beat Jordan Grace. Um, it was. Distractions from Caleb with a K. Tennille Dashwood didn't do anything great. It was back and forth. And then, of course, um, Grace and Ellering got into a discussion on the ramp after um, D- Dashwood rolled up Grace and got the victory. So they're basically now trying to, and it ended with Grace hitting a Michinuka driver on Caleb with a K after she finally snapped. So they are teasing breaking up Jordan Grace and Rachel Ellering which they won the knockout tag team championships like at the last impact pay-per-view where Kenny Omega won the championships and they didn't, and they didn't mention any damn thing about this. So, so that tag team's getting ready to be broken up. Um, the knockout tag team champions, fire and flavor beat Susan and Kimberly to retain again, just another match with that didn't mean nothing. Um, and then, of course, um, then Deanna Perrazzo beat Rosemary to retain. There was – this match was kind of um, – I wasn't say it was, like, bad, but it was decent, and then it got good at the end. So so the match was not bad, but it was very, very decent. And then when we got to the end, Rosemary got a guillotine and tried to turn it into above, so below. But Perrazzo blocked, countered, locked in the Venus Domino. But Rosemary made the ropes. Perrazzo stomped on Rosemary's bad knee, removed her knee brace. Rosemary hit a desperation spear for a near fall, but when she tried to fall with the red wedding, her knee buckled and it allowed Perrazzo to hit a Costa Navrata for the victory. It did get good towards the end, but before that, it was just, just decent stuff. It wasn't... There might have been some clunky spots, but I never saw it. And then... The Impact World Championship match was Kenny Omega defeating Moose to retain. Um, the whole of this and uh, on sh- commentary was Tony Schiavone, Scott Demore, Don Callis. Um, they did this inside of Daly's Place. Of course, this was pre-taped. Um, and the and you know Moose had an issue with Kenny Omega ever since he's won the championship. You know. Not really much to go into on that story. But early on the match was Moose had the power advantage. Omega couldn't even lift Moose. He managed to hurt Moose with a dive. Moose, of course, 
continued his dominance on the outside of the ring, whipping Omega left and right, mocking Kenny Omega's um, Bullet Club gun pose. Um, they started exchanging strikes. Moose gained more, more momentum. Omega went for an arm and hit a Tiger Bomb for the near fall. Omega followed up with V-triggers to the injured arm. He called for the um, for the OWA, but had trouble getting Moose. Um, and then uh, AEW doctor came out to check on Moose's arm, but Moose pushed him away and kept going. So then, of course, um, actually, and then and then actually powered up and hit a top rope Spanish fly out of nowhere. Moose, when he hits this Spanish fly, looks like amazing. But I bet if you're the guy that's taking this, you're probably freaked out that this guy's like six six and shit. Because I, I would be freaked out if guys like Keith Lee and Omega, or uh, sorry, Keith Lee and Moose were doing Spanish flies, and I'm the guy that has to like take it because, because, because remember, you're the motherfucker that's got to take that shit with them. Like, yeah. At least with Moose, I would feel more confident because Moose does it so much more. But if Keith Lee does it. Like today, whenever he gets back on TV, I would be concerned as hell if I'm anybody because I'd be telling them, look here, Keith, I'm not letting you do a Spanish fly on me unless I know you're really, really confident that you're going to hit this Spanish fly on me, you motherfucker. Like, so, um, <laughs> so then Moose. But then again, Keith is different, though. He's a 350-pound guy. There's no way that they're going to let someone big like that get on top and do a Spanish fucking fly, man. He can lay on top of his neck. Exactly, but but you know what though, with the moose thing though, I get I get more concerned when moose does because when moose did this, he just did it like he just jumped on the top rope and didn't even just say one two three go. He just said fuck you, Omega. We're both going, and Kenny Omega's already got like a torn labrum. So my goodness, I, it it was crazy. Um, of course, then moose tried to go ahead and hit the lights out, the spear. But Omega pulled the ref in, who took most of the hit. And then the Young Bucks ran down and super kicked Moose over and over and over and then hit a BT trigger. And they helped Omega hit the um, one-winged angel. And that led to Omega picking up the victory. Um, It was a fantastic match. Good pacing. Execution, great. The finish protected Moose. To where they can give him another championship match down the road. However, I don't know if he will because Moose is, has made has actually made comments where he said he's not re-signed with Impact yet, and I don't know if he would re-sign with Impact yet. Um, Moose did come, but Moose did come away with like a babyface, and and you know what? If I'm Tony Khan, I would go ahead and sign Moose. I would because Moose has got something to me. Moose has really do got something to me, and. You know whether it's his personality or his in-ring work, he's he's literally everything perfect. I think I don't think there's anything wrong with Moose. I think Moose is a great worker. Then it comes to talking on the mic, he's great. And and Moose has also been a guy that can make a championship like the like the TNA World Championship go from a prop to something serious. Mm-hmm. So I will say so I will say so so I will say this here though: if you want someone to come in and make that FTW belt mean something, I would put it on Moose. That's what I would say. Um, but it was a match. I loved it. I gave it four stars. I did love this match. Um, of course, after they were celebrating, the lights went out, 
and Sammy Callahan appeared with a bat in his hand. He took out the Bucks and Omega before Don Callis confronted him. Callahan teased doing to Omega what he did to Eddie Edwards, and then instead Callis reacted and fired Callahan. Demore confronted Callis as they went to the back, and the show went off the air. So, um, and, and if you're wondering if Don Callis is still with Impact, he is. He does not have a contract with Impact. Nope, he is not under he is not under contract with Impact Wrestling. He is a back. I think he's a bashing producer for AEW right now. Currently, he is. He is, yes, and 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 AEW is just letting him just write out the storyline. So the so I guess so I guess it's going to probably be wrapping up at Slammiversary of Don Callis out of Impact. I'm guessing, and it should. And if it doesn't, then. I don't know what to tell you about the impact stuff then because because in impact this is my issue with impact as far as like some things go they they do they do have some good qualities but there are qualities where guys with Tommy Dreamer you know being the head creative guy you know and Scott Demore they're I, I don't feel like they're the best creative men I just don't and they do have other guys there like Jimmy Jacobs and these guys but. It's not like I would it, – It's it, it, I, if I had to recommend one match, I'd just tell them to go and watch the main event. But, you know, the rest of this card, it was – it really was just filter. And the and the five-way X Division match was a letdown because I wanted to see a finish, and you didn't even get a finish, so. Yeah. But 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 it was uh, it was the card. It, um, but from what I saw, that, that was the only card. That was the only match I would just talk about on the card. And to close out, keeping it at 200, we're going to go into the final uh, – just one NBA game on the night. It was the Clippers that beat the Jazz, 132-106. Black card, oh, you kept saying that God. you wanted to see Black card. This is aggravation right here, my God. Well you, well, you said that you wanted to see the old Indiana Paul George, and Paul George came out 12 of 24, 6 of 10 from 331 points. Yeah, I'm but obsessed. I was kind of hoping for a letdown. <laughs> I know. I, know. I was hoping for a letdown. So I can be like, see, I told you. I told you. No matter what the hell they do, they cannot win. How about this? They put me on tonight. So. And, and, and Kawhi, 31 points, 14 of 24. He was one of six from three, but he had 12 rebounds, five assists. Reggie Jackson. He did cover the um, points prop in his bets. He was 6 of 8, 5 of 6 from 3, 17 points, uh, 3 assists. Marcus Moore Sr., only 3 of 5 on 6 points in 21 minutes. Nicholas Batum played center. Jesus Christ. (laughs) Well, Nicholas Batum played center for the Clippers in this game, and he was 6 of 9, 4 of 6 from 3, 17 points, and that's just really odd, and – the disrespect that they did to Rudy Gobert with him. Well, I'll tell you. Well, I'll tell you this here though. I was I've been a Charlotte Hornets, you know, guy that's watched the Hornets all these years, and Nicholas Batum is actually played like a Nicholas Batum that like you remember from Portland because when he was in Charlotte, Nicholas Batum could not do none of this shit. So I don't know where nope. the hell this Batum was at, but for the Jazz though, it was. It was definitely not their game, though. It really wasn't. Donovan Mitchell, 11-24, to 24, he had 30 points. He was literally just two points shy of just getting that points prop bet. So that, so if you did bet on the points prop for Mitchell, you did lose. 
Um, Bojan Bogdanovic was only um, two of ten, one of five from three, nine points. Uh, Royce O'Neal, four of eight, 12 points. Uh, Gobert, 12 points on four of seven, 10 rebounds. Uh, Joe Ingles, six of 11, five of eight from three, 19 points. Jordan Clarkson, five of six, uh, five of 16, four of nine, 14 points. Um, both teams had 19 threes on the night, but the Clippers had the better percentage. And the Clippers had the better defense. They held Utah to under 43% shooting. And, it, you know, this was not the game where I would say they held Donovan Mitchell down because Donovan Mitchell still had 30 points. But they did hold everybody else down on the Jazz. And and, and I guess that was the – and that's actually been the Tyron Lou method this entire time was to slow everybody else down on the Jazz except Donovan Mitchell because we know Donovan – because we all know Tyron Lou did everything to – not slow down Luka Doncic. He let Luka Doncic have his game, but he let but he tried to slow down everybody else. Mm-hmm. I think they found their formula for that. Shut down the supporting cast, and the main star has to do the majority of the work, and he gets tired. Then when comes the game, then when comes to the next game, he's gonna feel that fatigue. That can help him I, out. My pro- but my problem is with this though. That's a terrible coaching method. Then, if if you're if you're a coach and you're saying, you know what, we're just gonna let the star player just have like thirty and forty, and we're not gonna worry about him. We're just gonna try and stop everybody else. That is the worst fucking method I've ever heard a coach say. Like, and and on top of that, you know, like, you know, you know, I used to defend Tyrone Lou because, like, because, and this is why I used to defend Tyrone Lou. I used to say he doesn't get credit for being a head coach because in Cleveland we all know it was LeBron James's team. And that's and that's a fair assessment. It really is because Tyron Lue, if Tyron Lue and the Cavs went 72 and 10, everyone's going to say that was LeBron going 72 and 10. It wasn't Tyron Lue. Uh-huh. And you know, and then of course he had 6 games as a head coach and they were 0 and 6 and they fired him in Cleveland. And then he didn't get another job and then he became an assistant coach and I said, "You know what? I said Tyron Lue is going to prove people wrong." And he's actually going to be a good coach. And he was a good coach for the regular season. And since he's been in the postseason, it's like he's getting out coached still. He still is getting out coached because because let me tell you this this year. If I'm a coach, I'm not happy with giving up 19 threes because because you, you still didn't accomplish really anything. Like, yeah, they held the Utah defense to under 43% from the field, but you still gave up 19 threes and – you know, yeah, you won 132-106, but had this fourth quarter, the Clippers not been a 38-23 fourth quarter, I don't know if we're saying that the Clippers are, you know, up to uh, – the Clippers cut this to 2-1 because because this really, this really to me, you know, you know Tyron Lue, you know, he's getting very lucky. That's what I would say. He's getting very lucky because Kawhi was not great from shooting the three tonight. But yeah. Paul George, Reggie Jackson – Batum all came through when they mattered. You know, you know, it's not like the Clippers have any good players off the bench that are giving, you know, No, I mean like they got depth yeah, I mean they got depth off the bench too. Like, you know what I mean? So like that's why people can't disregard that. But I understand where you're coming from with Tyler getting lucky, but think about there's this one scenario right there. One person, Michael Jordan, had changed everything, right? Now According to my now, according to what I was brought up, and you know the the, the bad boys, the Detroit Pistons had created a rule called the joining rules. So this is a similar thing to what Ty Lue is doing, since he's creating his own set of rules on how to be able to win certain games that matter. 
And we're seeing that right here. So we can't really say that he began lucky. I think it's all about strategy with certain certain coaches and systems and how and how that plays out. Well, how that how that plays a part with his team. Here's why. I, here's why I. Here's why I always say, sure, you can have all these superstars come on your team, but are they going to be efficient enough that they're going to give you great productivity every single time? And you will set rules and boundaries and shit like that when it comes to it. Like you know, like um, I think certain 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 samurais will always read the Art of War by Sun Tzu. So something of that nature can manifest into a basketball team like this. And Phil Jackson was one of the key people that actually brought that philosophy into the mix. And that's how you, and that's how you have all those super Chicago Bulls teams for those X amount of years. I, I will say, I will say that though, but you know, as, but this thing though too, as the Bulls outside of Detroit, it's not like the Bulls had these issues Grant, Grant, Grant. They had a lot of front office issues with Phil Jackson and Jerry Krause, which, which of course, if anybody wants to watch, that's on the Last Dance documentary. But you know, one thing about this here, though, when Jordan got to, when Jordan beat the Pistons, he never let it up after that. But I also thought, though, that the reason that they beat the Pistons was because Isaiah Thomas, once he tore that Achilles, Isaiah was not the same. And the Clippers and and the, the sorry the Pistons went just down the road right after that and you know and give and Michael Jordan will even say Joe Dumars was the toughest defender that he's ever had on him you know alongside Muxy and um um others that he would say but but I also will say this here though that that this system here though of what Tyron Lue's doing. It's not going to work because because it, it it it's not going to because here's what's going to happen, you know the right coach because here's the thing it, say the Clippers do make it out of this and they do play Phoenix in the next round, you know you're not going to stop Chris Paul and these guys because Chris Paul is going to know the Clippers system, and what's even worse is the Clippers you know outside of Paul George and quite like if Paul George has if now Paul George comes out and starts playing like this, then the Clippers are a dangerous team. But Kawhi, one of six from three, that's going to be an issue. And and also Kawhi Leonard, you know, how much is Kawhi going to, you know, have to put up on, like, his load now? Because now, cause now Kawhi is really having to, you know, and this is going to be tough. So so this is going to be tough. You know, it's just, it's just questions – they're going to need more answers. So, but if the Clippers tie this series up at two-two, and we have the same box score again, then then maybe Tyron's system um, does work. But it, it's a crazy system. I will say that it's not. A system I understand that. I do because if that same system can only shut down one person, then what's going to lead Devin Booker, the um, the um, Dante Aiden, and Mikel? Um, oh, again, damn it! I keep yeah, it. Bridges. Yeah, we have Bridges. And you know what I'm saying? Like that dynamic right there and the whole with their bench is gonna be impenetrable to do. Exactly. Um next UFC pay per view people is Sunday, July tenth at the T Mobile Arena. It will be the first time Las Vegas opens up at full capacity. It's UFC two sixty four, the main event. It had a beautiful video package tonight, by the way. 
Um, Dustin the Diamond Portier from Louisiana taking on Connor the Notorious McGregor. Both men are even at one and one. And Portier lost to McGregor in 2014. And Portier beat McGregor a couple months back. And McGregor wants to run it back again. The winner of this will be facing um, Charles Oliveira for the UFC um, lightweight championship. The um, Yeah, so they'll be facing for the light heavyweight championship that was once Khabib Nurmagomedov's, but Khabib retired, and Charles Oliveira took the championship after he beat Michael Chandler. So Portier, McGregor, I got to put you on the spot, Blackheart. Who, who's taking this in um, part three? Oh, <laughs> Yeah, it's kind of it's kind of tempted to even have it all blast like this. Um, God damn it! I gotta go. Uh, I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with McGregor. I'm gonna go with McGregor. McGregor. Yeah. I I got I got Dustin winning. I just do. Something just tells me I got Dustin. Something tells me because when I looked at Connor's last fight, Connor just told me that his chin doesn't have it no more. He just doesn't have it and. I don't think his chin's got it no more. Um, but maybe Connor will do. But if Connor can finish this fight in under three minutes in the first round, Connor Connor is back to where he's at again. I will say this here though. I remember um, I remember this here when Connor beat um, Dustin in the main event at the last UFC show, and I remember I got on the phone with someone. And she didn't know anybody. She didn't know any MMA fighters or anything like that. <laughs> she only know she only knew Conor McGregor. And I literally told her, I said, I said, if you know just Conor, I said you're automatically not even gonna know anything about MMA. I said because I literally told her, I said Conor, yes, he is the most promoted one, but no, like he's he's not top ten right. pound for pound fighter. I, and, yeah. and she was like, and she and she literally wanted to ask me, well, who's who do you think is a top ten pound for pound fighter? And I told her it was Francis Nagato, and I showed her Nagato, you know, beating Jorge Mazadov. I actually, you know, sent that to her. Like I sent her like a video of you know him beating Jorge and beating him bad. And she was like, oh, she's like, she's like now I see, like you know, I was like. Yeah, I, I, it's like, it's like, I said, I said if, I, and I literally told her, I said, if someone tells you Connor's still one of the best, I said, they're already not an MMA fan or they're just telling you something that's now five years old. So, but that, but that was um, definitely all that's going on. There's other stuff that's on this card that I'm definitely interested in. You've got um, Nico Hybrid Vincent Price. He takes on Michael Priera. We've got Sugar Sean O'Malley versus Louis Smoka. Um, Yana Kanitskaya takes on Arlene Adan, so I actually want to see that. Gilbert Burns takes on Stephen Wonderboy Thompson, and um, co-main events got Greg Hardy in it um, against Taya Tazwu, I think. So, um, but yeah, it's definitely going to be looking like a good UFC 264 card come July and everything like that. Tomorrow night is NXT Takeover in your house. Um, that will be a post show again live. I'm moving up the football show that you and I were supposed to be doing Blackheart till Monday because oh. um, because I'm definitely gonna get like at least 18 hours of sleep because that peacock thing still does not have a pause 
shit and all this. So <laughs> this is so so I'm good. So so trust me, when I watch this, I'm gonna have to literally be watching it and really paying attention because right after, I've got to be on here and like so I'm no I'm not I'm not risking like oversleeping or something and. And I, I know there's going to definitely be more people coming in tomorrow night because watch tomorrow night. You've got Tavon coming back in. Watch Ash is going to come back in. There's probably going to be people in the off the top rope Facebook group wanting to come back in and say, well, I don't know why you gave that so so many star ratings. <laughs> I'm going to have someone get mad at me tomorrow. Yeah, you're going to have to explain that to them. I'm going to probably have someone say, say, oh, you gave that star match too high rating. And so, so, so it's definitely going to be a lot more fun tomorrow night, though. But UFC 263 post-show wrapping up i would say it, um any final thoughts on um, blackheart before we get off the air tonight uh yeah protect your chin protect your protect your nose protect your face because the usc ain't nothing to play with um you think about ever getting involved in that ring you had think twice because i remember a few weeks back i think it was the previous USC 262 or 263, I think it was. And whoever this one, the, the preliminary matches that, that did a low kick and his shit dislocated. i never forget that moment. And I'm sitting there drinking a bit and I spat it up so fucking fast. I was like, oh, I can't do that. <laughs> so whoever the fuck that was, let's get a, let's get an update on his shit, man, because. Damn, that that yo, that location and the way that it curved around the other dude's leg, and I'm like, oh, forget it. I was like, uh, uh you can't pay oh. me that much to sacrifice my body for a kiss my ass. So I learned my lesson. Yeah. Um, yeah, uh, I don't really have anything to close out the show with. Um, what you call? Just wanted to say thank you, um, to Blackheart for watching. Thank you for everybody that will be watching. Later on Spotify, and you know, I, I, I actually I did want to get into something because I didn't never get my two hundred thought out of the day. Okay. Um, which I actually I actually you know told my cousin that I actually had a podcast and stuff, and this is what she said. She said she said, and she saw there was like a three hour show, <laughs> and this is what she said. She said, "I'll follow it. Thanks." <laughs> What the hell? She she, she did not want to listen to no three hour podcast, so, so I gotta give her. So at least I gotta give her credit. At least she hit the follow button. But I was like, ah. I was like, I was like you, you can't listen to ten minutes on this show. She was like, she's like, no, like you exactly. But but definitely though, um, great show for the night and stuff. Definitely be back with NXT Takeover tomorrow night and the football show that we'll be doing monday blackheart thank you for coming on um know this is really late in boston because it's 221 in north carolina and i'm ready to go to bed and start um doing some stuff tomorrow that i've got to just get my notes and stuff ready for and get ready for takeover um have a good night sleep man and i will talk to you um next time and talk to everybody next time on locker room peace Peace. Have a good night. You too, man.